0: Scuttlebutt listeners, thank you again for joining us. Day two of our harassment package of Modern Day Marine. I'm here with William. Howdy. And this is actually very, very exciting. Um, We are here with Commander, recently retired, Becky Calder. Thank you so much for being here.
1: You are so welcome. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: I, I am going to spend the next, what could be like the entire episode, but just about 30 seconds embarrassing you uh, r- relentlessly. Okay, I'm ready. So, rec- rec- recently retired commander. Yes. United States Naval Academy graduate, where you were a star basketball player to the point of having your number retired. You don't usually do that. Well, I guess th- you could be so bad that like we're not ever going to give <laughs> this number <laughs> to anyone ever again. That is true. That's true. Um, F-18 pilot. 25 million <laughs> Flight hours, and first female pilot to graduate from Top Gun. Did I capture that correctly? Pretty much captures it. My goodness, and your book is due out when?
1: Um, not off the presses. Oh
0: man, well let me know because this needs this needs to be in the literary world, but. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. And then you just had a uh, talk at uh, Tun Tavern here at Modern Day Marine, correct? I did,
1: I did. I was so honored to be asked to speak at Modern Day Marine and I just finished.
0: Yeah, but I don't know why everybody doesn't have you on their schedules to talk, but... Um, so I guess, wh- what was some of the wave the themes of your, of your talk?
1: Yeah, I um, was approached a few months ago to come be a speaker here and I kind of had a, an open, um, an open book of what I could talk about, and I think that what I focused on and what I hope people took away from the talk um, was really geared towards leadership. I am a student of leadership right now, um, not as exciting as um, you know some of the all the stuff here on the on the show well, floor. Somebody's to <laughs> lead us to it, right? <laughs> Modern day Marine, but um, I am in the middle of a PhD program studying leadership, so I am just about just over halfway done of. Um, in this program, and so I put together um, a talk about leadership and and how um, part of my story, I shared part of of my story, my experiences, my struggles, and just focused on some leadership ideas that I think are um, really important in today's military.
0: How cool. Yeah. Um, Well, again, could you tell us a little (laughs) bit about what that, because you just retired here a couple weeks ago. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, what was that path like? like? did you come from a military family? No. And
1: okay. in fact, I spoke on that today. Um, it's a question I get asked a lot. And um, the only reason that literally I'm sitting in the seat right next to you today is because of basketball. <laughs> so I was recruited by the Naval Academy to p- play basketball. Yeah, I had no family in the military, um, no military you know, history. You know, I nobody living in my family had served in the military. And 100 uh, percent honesty, I knew nothing about the Navy. But the Naval Academy recruited me, and I decided to give it a shot. I said yes, and I went to the Naval Academy. That's fascinating
0: because, I mean, i got to imagine that they weren't the only school beating down your door. I mean, what was it about the Naval Academy? Like, I mean, Annapolis is beautiful and it all, is but beautiful. <laughs> if you don't come from it's a military family, it seems like there's other places to play It's basketball.
1: not the
2: most traditional college lifestyle, to say the <laughs> it's least. It's not.
1: <laughs> um, I'm actually from a small town in Washington State and my sisters and I uh, went, we all went to a boarding school on the East Coast. Okay. So I sort of spent four years on the East Coast and you know, as I remember, it was a long time ago. You forgot to put how Old I was in that intro, but I mean, I think I said twenty-five 20 years old, right? Twenty-five. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. turned twenty-five. Yeah, you you um, joined when you were twenty-five yeah, <laughs> years old, <laughs> and you <laughs> retired at yeah, twenty-five. Five. Amazing. Um, and so this was a long time ago, but but truly, I had a dream of playing Division One basketball. I also wanted to play in the WNBA, but that's a time for another podcast, maybe <laughs> another another story. But um, well, we'll definitely have you it. Back was on. it was basketball and the academy? There was just something about it about. Uh, the challenge, the, um, you know, it's, n- I mean, it's unique. It's a place of beauty, as you said. It's a place, I can now look back, it's a place of leadership, of honor, of all of the things, mm-hmm. it, it, it's all those things and more. Um, and what I didn't realize at the time was it was going to prepare me and get me ready for this life of service that I had no idea I was gonna lead and uh, it also gave me the best friends uh, of, of my life that i still so have today cool. so the academy was a wonderful place and i loved my four years playing basketball there and similarly to the uh, the basketball being the reason i joined the academy i also knew nothing about flying so people you know how i ended up as an F f-18 <laughs> pilot is <laughs> a different story once again but this um, is such an amazing so, story so anyway like, yeah yeah so Here what I was am. that
0: well wait so i guess you're at the academy was there ever a moment, especially like plebe year, where you're just like, what did I just do? 100%, yeah. probably
1: <laughs> every day. I think it was the people that I was around that um, made me stay there, it was the friends that I made, and they're still my, as I just mentioned, 30 plus years later, um, they're still my people. But. Oh yeah I questioned my life choices I mean I was only 18 so right. no one knows what as they're doing
0: <laughs> as one, as one, as one do. does yeah.
1: um, at 18 but there was just something about it I mean I um, it was hard it was challenging it was an impossible you know situation and you may I made it through yeah um, so
0: how cool and then was it while you're at the Academy or like? well, since I'm doing new life experiences, why don't I give flying a try? Or was that something that can happen um, later?
1: You know, you have to service select something. That was also something that I realized once I got there, I had to be in the military. <laughs> and so you, um, you make your service assignment. And, and I remember the day, actually, this isn't a very long story, so I think I have enough time here. It was on the basketball court and it was with the deputy commandant of, midship of midshipmen at the time, his name was Colonel Bolden. And he's this incredible man, an incredible um, leader. And we—he came to practice, and we were literally like shooting baskets together. And um, he just looked at me in the eye, and he said, "You would make a kick-ass F-18 pilot in the Marine Corps." And obviously, I didn't go into the Marine Corps. But that day, You're like, <laughs> I'll see you halfway. <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. see you. <laughs> I'll take your F-18, and I'll I'll raise you Navy. Yeah. Um, but. I remember that day and I think that as I have reflected back on both my career now that I'm retired I have kids now I have an 11 year old and a 12 year old um, I think that that speaks to the importance of um, mentorship and if you see something in someone because I didn't even know the, the uh, combat exclusion law had just been lifted I mean this isn't it's not like women are going around flying a ton of F-18s everywhere Right, right. women had just started to be allowed to be in combat so this was something that I didn't even think about and didn't even know was a possibility and he saw that in me and he told me and I think that's really important and I think there's a lot of lessons there for people today and leaders because people don't even know what they can do so it was I I remember the day.
0: We were just we just had a guest on earlier and almost every one of his stories about his service had to do with other people either lifting him up watching his back maybe
2: overlooking yeah, <laughs>
0: overlooking some I mean we all have those people we all have them yeah but I, I think that does speak so much to leadership you know I I, have, I feel like for those who haven't served there's this misconception that leadership is all about me 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 mm. and that I'm the guy standing up here leading you you know get on my back and you know what but it really has everything to do with community
1: it absolutely does. In fact, <clears throat> as a student of leadership now, I mean, I can tell you both academically and like from life experience, that leadership is nothing without followers. And there's actually a whole line of um, theories and studies on followership. And I've really um, started to really love followership and that idea, but yeah, without followers, there are no leaders. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I'm excited both to, to study it and, um, and I've taken a lot of lessons along the way as well from people that i um, that I served with that mentored me that taught me I was really lucky
0: what were some of the obstacles because I, I mean I don't mean to besmirch the service, but that's a great word <laughs> yeah. By the way. but there is uh you know there are biases spoiler alert how was that because like you mentioned like we had just lifted some of these restrictions on Women in combat and, and things that you weren't even necessarily fully aware of What what were those hurdles and how how was that and then what was the? How, I mean, like was it persevering made you stronger or was there like what am I again? What am I doing?
1: Um, I it was the easy answer is it was all of it Yeah, I think that some of the things I actually talked about today um, to the audience was about some of those experiences being the first you know, at a few things that I've done, um, just by, by the nature of the time that I started flying, when I joined the Academy, um, I never set out to be a first at anything. Mm -hmm. I set out to play basketball, then get F-18s and then be the best F-18 pilot I could be. I think, um, all of the noise, all of the biases, yes, I experienced it. It was hard. Um, but, and there's a phrase and I actually, um, if people are listening who were at the talk, they're going to hear me repeat some things. But there's this phrase that um, I, other people may have experienced. It's called being the model minority, and you know I've learned about that phrase. I've learned what that means. I learn I've learned what comes with that, and it it kind of has spoken to and speaks to my experience a little bit. When you're the only one in the room, when you're the first to do anything, there is a lot of spotlight on you. As you were just saying, you know. All, everyone wants to know what you're doing, um, how you're doing, your performance. Um, you know, a lot. there's a lot, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes with it. And I think that a few things, you know, when looking back on my service, this was a, a while ago. I mean, I put my head down, we were at war and I did my job. And I think that I did it the best that I could. I did not do it perfectly. I have those people who have, mm. you know, that are behind me and supported me and I needed all of the support I could get. <coughs> But um, I realize now that one thing I didn't know it then, but I can look back and and I realized that th- there were sort of two things that, that I really leaned on, and it was to make sure that I was credible and I was capable. And so you're, and and I talked to a few um, young women who were at the talk today, and they said, "What you know, if it, it, what do you do? How, how did you do it?" How, and I said, "You know, if you can just focus, you find what you want to do. And for me, that was basketball and then F-18s." and i just made sure that everything that i did i was credible and i was capable and gender had nothing to do with mm. it i um wanted to be the best f18 pilot i could be and for me that meant going to top gun and so i did it it came with you know it came with some spotlight but that happens
0: sometimes yeah yeah i mean Tom Cruise, he yeah, didn't make it kn- Top Gun without some spotlight. He got so. some spotlight. And he, <laughs>
1: yeah. ma- I mean, he has some good friends. And he was
0: unsafe. <laughs> he was. According
2: to <laughs> he Ice was, With any
1: broke
0: rules. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, do you mind uh, digging into some of his experiences at Top Gun for us, you know, uh, lowly non pilots? Did <laughs> they issue you a motorcycle right when you got there?
0: I got a motorcycle.
1: Nice. We played a lot of volleyball. Awesome. And all of it. We ride elevators on aircraft carriers. I and, knew it. Um, you know, I actually had a couple questions today about the movie, and um, the movie w- is was great. My family and I went to go see it, and we loved uh, the second movie. We, we all saw that together. I think Top Gun, the actual Top Gun, <laughs> mm-hmm. was a, um, it's an amazing you know center of excellence, as cheesy as that sounds. It is a place where um, you are expected to become the, the best at your craft, and the best uh, pilots and flight officers go there and learn to be um, precise, uh, as perfect as they can be in the aircraft. And you learn to be uh, a great teacher. It's a humbling course. So I think some, some things that people might not know about it is how, um, you know, I think the movie and just talking about it, there's a lot of bravado that goes around Top Gun. And it's, it's I mean, I dare say it's the opposite of that you are so humbled when you go there because you realize how much you have to learn and you learn to become an instructor and that was my experience at top gun and and I had a great ex- one of, I had a great experience one of my top gun instructors who is um, a one-star general right now, was in the audience today for my talk. So oh, that was cool. brought full that's circle. Awesome. Yeah, that's so, great. So um, yeah, it was, it's a part of my life and I, I'm so honored to both be chosen to go to uh, Top Gun, to have graduated from the program, and to still see it as a, as a center of excellence that it is today.
0: And then do you guys, uh, you know, as we're looking at, like, sort of joint uh, operations, and, again, like, no service is going to go at whatever our future conflicts are on their own. Is the focus uh, at these top-level schools for pilots, are they they focused mostly on that air superiority, air-to-air stuff, or do you see more, like, close air support, those types of missions being thrown into... You train to sense.
1: all types of missions. Okay. <coughs> so it. Um, I went through Top Gun a long time ago. So let's just, you know, put that out there that uh, I went through the course. When om- you were seven, right? When I was seven, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, in 2004, almost 20 years ago. And um, so the, you know, the mission has changed a little bit but it's still, what hasn't changed is that the F-18 is a strike fighter. So it does all the missions. Yeah. So we learn and practice and um, perfect all of the missions. Mm-hmm. And you learn to do it and be an instructor at Top Gun. So, so
2: cool. we've learned the process of you becoming one of the greatest pilots in <laughs> the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of you graduate one to- of William. <laughs> well, there's many. You know, I, I like to think <laughs> that the, like, the United States military trains a bunch of the best in the world (laughs) as a taxpayer so uh, anyway so so you graduate Top Gun Uh, where does your career go from there
1: when you graduate from Top Gun you you have a couple of different options and you can either stay at Top Gun and be an instructor or go to one of the weapon schools and that's what I did so I went to the East Coast weapon school and I was a tactics instructor there and um, then I that's a a tour um, so you teach tactics then you go to a squadron and you're the training officer so I was a training officer um, and it after that, I actually got to head out to Whidbey Island to help transition the Navy and the, um, well, the Marine Corps doesn't have growlers, but they had the, the prowlers. Um, we were transitioning to the E-18G, the growler. So I got to help transition um, the service to a new platform, which was a pretty incredible experience. Um, <clears throat> and then... You know, I this. Do, how long do we have? Because then um, I got we married. As as I got <laughs> <laughs> married. I had two kids. Yada yada. And, I got and, and <laughs> more importantly, as I said earlier, I am a struggling stay-at-home mom, PhD student, um, and I've got two amazing kids and a dog, and you know, I just try to keep it together every day. Well, that's where my career is. Yeah, yeah. So. I,
0: and, and my hats off to you because it's going to be a an entirely different fight. My wife just left her law practice. <sighs> Um, to homeschool our boys, and so it is a fight of a different kind. It is the
1: hardest thing I've ever done, <laughs> <laughs> and I've done a few hard things. I
0: know you got to get going. and I, I really appreciate you being so generous with the time, but I've got to ask you: What was your call sign, and how did you get it?
1: My call sign was Sam. Um, my last name used to be Adams. I went to school on the East Coast, and um, there may or may not be a few pictures of me drinking Sam Adams beers, but that's oh, it. He's, a, he's a drinker. <laughs> Sam Adams oh. A drinker? Oh, <laughs> well, <didn't> maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> so that's awesome oh, that's, that's so
0: cool i i love the pilot call side stars because it's Great. never awesome no, or no if it's awesome then it's even worse
2: no
1: and but mine it. is pretty boring because adams um sam adams so oh, that's like america that's it. it's patriotic yeah, it's very I patriotic it. i love
2: it yeah so do you have any um like social media plugs or anything you like to get out there to our audience where they can find you or are you going to try to hide it <laughs> <Whatever he laughs> I,
1: so that's so funny because i was asked that too i have I'm not on social media, so I have nothing. Good for you. I have nothing to pass. Thank I have nothing we to share. We are going to
0: direct listeners to the MCA website. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and that's I where. have nothing.
1: I have um, – we live in Reno, and if anyone wants to come skiing in Reno and in the Tahoe area. I've done it. So, it so it is, that's
0: it. That's a great. Uh, it's that's great. plenty of incentive there. Well, Becky, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This is really great. I, I, I honestly I, – I'm not – this is, with all sincerity, like very honored to oh. have spent some time my with you today, It's t- so great. Totally
1: my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm truly so excited to be involved in this. It's my first modern-day Marine and just the, um, the excitement, the people that are here, the Marines that are here, it's awesome. So thank you for yeah. having me.
0: absolutely. Actually, you know what, for your contact info, we'll give them MARTA's. Give them, yeah, ma- yeah, give
1: them ju- yours. Give them, uh, uh, yeah. Give them your wives. Give them your wives.
0: How about that? Well, Becky, thank you again so much. This was awesome. You
1: are so welcome. Thank you.
2: Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am William Trudy. You've also heard the voices or contributions of Vic Rubel, USMC Retired, and Anti retired The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the official stance of the Marine Corps, DOD, or Marine Corps Association.